You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us. So I asked a question a little bit earlier on about your your thoughts on these 16 days of activism campaigns that have been running. Many sounded absolutely wonderful. And the question for me was, did they land with you? Did they have an impact that was required? Or was it just, you know, for us to tick a box? That's the question I'm asking. And I'm going to be having a conversation with the uh, people opposing women abuse, Mary Makaba, who is a CEO there, to ask her views on on what impact the 16 days of activism has on communities. Mary, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. and Thank you, Pamela, and the listeners for having me on Power FM. Thank you so much. So we've we've been here before. It's not the first time that we have had these campaigns, 16 days of, of activism campaigns. I, I don't know what mechanisms you use <laughs> as an organization to assess. How okay. do you assess the impact of campaigns like this? Thank you so much, Pamela, and thanks for the rectification. We are talking all over. We are even confusing stations. No, that's fine. That's okay. That. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me in SASFM. Yeah, every year annually we celebrate 16 days of activism. This is a global campaign mm. where we need to conscientize our communities, CBOs, you know, we give support particularly. Also, maybe, for instance, uh, just... Uh, also trying to remember the people who have lost their lives, like we and Retwana, like precious Mabulan and so forth and so forth. But what I'd like to say in terms of impact, it looks like we are not doing it right as a country. That one I want to give it very clear. Because us as an organization, we have tried our endeavors and our efforts to try to make it right this year by making sure that we hand over memorandums. One was handed to the minister, uh, Becky Kelly, and the other one was, minister, was handed to Advocate Shamila Badoui, the NDPP, for the NPA. Because various actors within the criminal justice system, starting from the police, IOs, investigating officers, magistrates, and other people, are often failing GBV survivors by compromising the justice and security they deserve, they deserve and putting their lives at risk, including mm-hmm. secondary uh, victimization. Mm-hmm. As a country, 16 days of activism for no violence against women and children, we had a theme. Remember, we had uh, Pamela, we had the, the global theme. Mm-hmm. Wait also talk about fund, prevent, collect, you know, uh, and, and, and so forth, you know. Mm-hmm. And then our our theme for this year for 2020 was a, a women's economic empowerment for a non-violent and a non-sexist South Africa. Mm-hmm. You underline the word women in economic empowerment. Are we really empo- are we really empowering our women, particularly survivors and victims in South Africa? What is it that we are doing for women, particularly during 16 days of activism? More often than not, we're just complying. Um, can I say that it's malicious compliance from mm-hmm. us, everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Citizens, South Africa, mm-hmm. government, corporates, including civil society organizations. It's all about every year we've got a welfare calendar mm-hmm. or a calendar of days to say there is Child Protection Week, mm-hmm. there is World Aid Day, mm-hmm. there is World Disability Day, mm-hmm. there are 16 days. During these 16 days, I, I, I read something from the World Health Organization, Pemolo. It was stating that certain countries, they raise funds for civil society organizations so mm-hmm. that they can do more, mm-hmm. you see. I think that's what we need to do as a country and then have reports. Mm-hmm. Know that each and every year, you know, and reports must be accessed by members of the public. Government, including collective efforts, it needs collective efforts, all of us to say for these 16 days, this is what we have done. 
But ours is just talking, talking, having programs, but yeah. impact is not there, my love. Thank you, Pamela. Be- be- because another thing I was just wondering about is that a lot of these campaigns also seem to be happening in silos. So everybody is doing something in their corner. And I'm, I'm sorry, it does feel like it's a ticking box exercise. But as you said, if we were all together to say, okay, maybe the efforts need to be in empowering uh, organizations that are already doing the work, that already know what's required, instead of me in my little corner trying to say, start something that I don't know enough about, could that be the way forward in you know, making sure that we or find uh, we are we've got a collaborative effort. Yes, you are very right, Temelo. You know, working silo mentality is very, very more common. You see, because it's 16 days, some people get funding for that particular time. They mm. request funds, they get funding, they do something, put it in paper. They don't have relevant people to yeah, speak yeah. to the issues. Yeah. They are very much irrelevant. It's better if funds are raised for people who are experts in that particular mm. fraternity. Mm. And we need to partner with each other. Mm. We must know as a country what is happening during 16 days of activism. That must be a clear plan for the country, province by province, we know what will be happening and what will be the impact and then later we need to sit down have that task so that we can evaluate to say this is what we have done this is the impact what value have we added in as far as fighting the sketch of gbv during 16 days and another thing pamelo 16 days of activism we should not confuse it remember us as organization it must be something which is done 365 days 24 7 because mm-hmm. this is the second pandemic mm-hmm. we should not confuse to say the 16 days is ending now you know we go back to normal us as an organization, as people opposing women abuse, we are saying it's 365 days, 24-7, where we need to give ongoing care and support to the women. Because it's very difficult to end GBVF immediately. We'll continue giving them care, sheltering them, giving them safe houses and creating safe space for them in, the, in our respective areas. We need support, especially from government or corporates, so that we can do better. When we say it's having impact, it was just paper, all of us having this, talk shows, people talk, you know, mm, different programs mm, and different, mm, the president talking about mm. it. If you ask, it's done on a yearly basis. There is no impact, my love. We need to do some evaluation studies to check, <laughs> you know, what worked, what didn't work and how we can do it best, you know. Mm. And I also, sorry, my love. Sorry, I just want to just quickly delve into some of the issues that you raised when you went to, to, to a march um, earlier on and what is it that you wanted to be addressed immediately? You know, our challenge is various actors within the criminal justice system. It's failing us, particularly our survivors, when they reach this service point. Let me start with SAPS. Most of the time, our survivors, when they go there, opening of cases, it takes long. Otherwise, they don't get feedback. They don't get process, progress. They don't get follow-up. There are delays in arrest or no arrest at all for perpetrators. That's one of our challenges. And this poses a high risk for our survivors to have a secondary victimization. And the other one is that when you go to certain police stations, you know, there are no victim-friendly equipment or victim-friendly rooms or facilities to help our survivors. You enter into a church office, everybody is listening. There is no confidentiality. You are just talking. Some members of the police force, particularly women, we are talking women to women, Pamela, like me mm, and you. Mm. They've got attitude when they help other women who have been raped, particularly for sexual violence cases. What were you wearing? All those kind of things. The minister of police supported us. He made it very clear to say they are not fashion advisors. They must not treat other women like that. Those are some of the 
challenges that we are facing within the SAPS. The most common challenge which is giving us a frustration is the issue of mediation. The police officers are acting like social workers and psychologists when you go there to say, come, come, let's talk. Where is your husband? This is a family matter. You go, you know. Mm -hmm. A person wants to open a case, but she is pressurized to, to deal with it at home. The ministry made it very clear that that should not happen. They'll give us progress. We'll work together. The Minister of Police was very supportive after handing over the memorandum. He assured us that we'll work together, we'll get invited, and so that we can be able to partner. We were also given the numbers for all the, 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 the leadership of the SAPS for all the countries. Wherever where our survivors go, we just take the name tag, and then we know where to complain so that we're able to deal with members of the South African Police Force that are not uh, uh, assisting our survivors. Some of them are taking bribery. Perpetrators giving those who are opening cases, police officers, money. Those are some of the things that we're crying about when we went to the Ministry of Police. Uh, If you don't mind, I've got somebody who wants to just add one voice to to what you've just said. Dean, thank you so much for calling. You're calling from George. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. Much appreciated. Go ahead, Dean. Thank you so much for calling. Good, thank you. I think your question was, and I want to highlight on that mostly, is is the other campaigns noise mm. and, and how are they landing? Mm. I think that there's a challenge in the campaign. The part of the campaign that is effective is that you're speaking to um, the, the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking to the symptoms has value. But there's, I find very little in the campaigns of speaking to the causes mm-hmm. of violence in general, never mm. mind gender-based violence, mm-hmm. although that's what we're focusing mm-hmm. on. And what causes violence needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a cycle there. Mm. So we can say, yes, that uh, it, it is probably mostly men that are permitting the violence. And it's sometimes against women. Mm. And acknowledging that sometimes children even commit violence against women and men. So sure. women mm. commit violence against children. But sure. the issue is that mostly, I would agree, I would say that most of the violent people in, in the country are men. But but you're saying, Dean, we need to then open that lid up and say, what's the cause of this violent society? We've got a violent society at the moment. Exactly. And and I don't hear much in the campaigning about that. It's like having a sickness and yeah. you telling the people that they are sick. They're then telling everybody else that they're sick. Mm. And what's making them sick is not being addressed. Mm. So, there's a, you know, men are the problem, mm. let's say, mm. in terms of causing the violence. Mm. But men are also the solution. Yeah in resolving the violence because the stats reveal that most violent men, Mm. most violent people in general, actually come from single parent families Mm. where they didn't have a strong role role model Mm. to demonstrate them a better way and show them an opportunity for significance. Mm. Hmm. Then what happens is the mother doesn't have a man to protect her or the children and it's mostly perpetuated. So it's kind of like a cycle. Mm. Um, 67 babies in South Africa born every day out of every 100 don't even have a father written on the birth certificate. And those mothers, as brave as they are, are suffering tremendously. We might glorify the mothers, but there's an element of not making sure we don't glorify single motherhood, Mm. teaching the kids not just that, you know, the sex education, this is how you do it. Mm. Teach the kids understand something you're 14 years old i said this to my daughter i said if you make me a grandfather in the next few years i'm going to be happy to be a grandfather i don't need to punish you darling Mm. because having a child is punishment enough your Mm. career is over your Mm. schooling is over your furthering your career is over and your life and plans will change 
You're not going to have a man. And maybe you've got a man. Okay. So, but single parent motherhood for these poor ladies who suffer it is traumatic. And they are very, very vulnerable. So are the children. And mm-hmm. the violence that's created, it's proven that it's probably 95% of prisoners, single parent families. <laughs> Listen, Dean, you've said a lot, and, and I hear everything that you've said, and I concur with it. Uh, Mary, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to add, thank you, Dean, for such valuable information. It is very, very important. Us as people opposing women abuse, we normally do it when we do our trainings. We do our GBV online trainings. We have set database. We have profiled all the provinces, uh, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, where we teach them about GBV, their courses, and all those kind of factors. What causes them? Male superiority, men are treated, particularly power dynamics, even in cultural norms. There are so many factors that that, 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 that perpetuate gender-based violence. I strongly concur with you because we need to address root causes, not symptoms. We need to be proactive. We need not to be reactive. We are fully aware that men are perpetrators of gender-based violence. It starts at home, we agree. But men, they need to change in terms of behavior, particularly those that are violent in majority because they are the perpetrators of gender-based violence. We need to do something. Hmm. Perpetrators programs for men, for boys, but it must start at home. Remember, we've got male circumcision, you know, other traditional practices that are also perpetuating gender-based violence. Those things have to start back then in our villages, in our communities, where you find that there are forced marriages, you know, those are some of the other contributory factors. But changing mindset is very, very important in terms of behavior modification. You know, people are doing certain things because of how they were raised, how they were socialized. You know, it will take us very, very, very long uh, time for us to be able to deal with GBV. It must also be part of the school curriculum from grade zero to grade one until a tertiary have policies that are dealing with GBV, including higher learning centers. I think that will work and we preach it throughout across churches, every public spaces and everywhere so that we can assist one another. I'm told I have to let you go. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Mary Makhaba is a CEO of People Opposing Women Abuse. And the, the conversation is not going to stop now because she has to leave. So I'm going to take your calls on 011-714-2006. I asked a very simple question. I asked, we're at the end of 16 days of a uh, uh, gender-based violence campaign. And I just wonder about its impact. I wonder whether it is has any has any any impact on on us individuals living our our own lives when you go home when you carry on with your life with your partners with your families and so on yes people have spent money um and i know they're ticking a box right now they're going to you know be handing in reports and so on the the point though is has it worked and what was it hoping to achieve and has it achieved that and the only way you and i can assess that is if you and i it worked with us. Did all of this conversation, all of these campaigns, the music, all of these things, did they mean anything to you at all? Did they have impact? Did something in you happen? That's the measure of whether this worked or not. 011 714